silence your cell phones now. What's good? Welcome back to the Pop-Off Podcast. I'm Ralph Campiano, and I'm joined by Jack McCoy to have a conversation about the NBA and all 82 games in the regular season of the NBA. That's right. We are talking about the Western Conference today, how it's going to play out, who's going to be in the playoffs, who's going to win awards, and a whole bunch of shit. This conference has had a lot of shakeup, not just the last 12 months, but I think the last five years overall. It's probably the lesser conference between the two. McCoy... Let's talk about your team first and foremost. We don't have to reveal where I have them at seeding-wise, but your team made probably the splashiest move of the summer other than Cleveland with Donovan Mitchell. Your Timberwolves went out and got Gobert. We are on the eve. Well, when people are listening to this, the Timberwolves will play tonight, but we're approaching Timberwolves basketball. How eager are you for this season, and are you confident in this team? I'm more pumped than I've been. for. I mean, I feel like I've been saying this every year for the last few years, but I'm, I'm extremely fucking excited for this season. I was I was one of those people about five months ago and all the time preceding that who just shit on Rudy Gobert all the time because he <laughs> he's like he's French and he's he's not very cool and he, he can't he can't shoot the ball at all he can't really dribble the ball but um, in the time since then after doing like a shit ton of research and basically just being the homer that I am I'm, I'm now like the biggest Rudy Gobert defender that you will meet. And I'm high. I'm big on screen assists. I think his impact, <laughs> oh, no. impact rolling to the basket. You've changed so much. I'm stopping you right there. You already dropped the censored <laughs> word screen assist, which is not allowed on this podcast. That's one of the few words that isn't allowed on this pod. You, I mean, come on. It's like, I get it. I get the excitement. It's your first time with like a legitimate starting five since KG left. Or maybe, you know, the Jimmy Butler era, I suppose, with Thibodeau and co. But screen assist this early in the pod. We're not even fucking two minutes into it. You're Here's already the dropping thing. screen assist. Here's the thing. And we don't have to dive too deep on the Wolves right now, but... You think about D'Angelo Russell and the impact that Rudy Gobert could have on him in his screening specifically. D'Lo is like one of the slowest players, or the slowest ball handlers in the league for sure. I think think just having a guy who can screen for him, Rudy Gobert is probably the best screen setter in the league. I think that's pretty much inarguable. We can debate about how much screens matter, but I think having a guy who can screen for him just to be able to get him open because he he's too slow to really create space for himself is going to be so huge for his offense specifically. We can go into the rest of the team later on, but. I don't disagree with you. I coach AAU basketball and I am emphasizing screens all the time. I will buy my kids a Snickers if they drop one of the other opponents on a screen. It's like my favorite thing in the world. So I'm cool with that and that concept. It's just the concept of screen assists that really bothers me because you can't get a screen assist for fucking Facundo Campazzo, right? Like, he's not going to fucking score off of it. Yeah. But you can get a screen hockey assist with Campazzo, but you can definitely get a screen assist with Anthony Edwards or D'Angelo Russell, like you're suggesting. And then the other thing is is that it's going to open up the floor for Cat. Cat doesn't have the pressure of protecting the rim anymore. I think he actually moves his feet pretty well on defense. He's definitely not, like, Giannis level on the perimeter or Kevin Garnett or no, anything he, like I that. Mean, He's not good. He's not good on the interior or the perimeter, really. I do think he's slightly better guarding the perimeter somehow than he is on the interior. That's kind of why we shifted our whole defensive scheme last year so that he was guarding out on like on the perimeter on pick and rolls more often than he was inside. Right. So. It's the long ass arms, the ability to contest but not block shots, maybe get deflections and stuff like that. Whereas Gobert is what three, four time defensive player of the year. So like he's you know he's a fucking force. Mm-hmm. Um, 
my biggest thing with them is going to be Ant, and we can talk about that deeper once we get into the actual Timberwolves conversation yeah. if we're not already in it right now. But um, let's just go through it really quick. So the Western Conference, we have 15 teams that we need to seed. We have 10 teams that are going to be at least in playing contention and six teams that are guaranteed to make the playoffs. Um, I've just thrown this out there. I've already placed wagers on a lot of these teams to make it. So I'm feeling pretty good about this. have given a lot of thought. You know, I was waiting for basketball for a month, and now we're finally here. Um, you can – kind of convince me to go different places with this if like you have the arguments for it so feel free to chime in whenever but let's go with the Denver Nuggets I have them as the one seed in the west this year do you have any idea who um their five starters were last year for 70 plus games no I mean yeah Jokic was the one consistent I feel like Compazzo started like a lot of games for them which just kind of shows and I, he might be out of the rotation this year is he even on this team anymore I actually I'm not entirely sure so he played in 65 games last year at 18 minutes per game he only started in four okay but this is their starting five for most of the season so Jeff Green 63 games Jeff Green started for the Denver Nuggets last year in the year of our Lord 2022 and 2021 Will Barton. rotation player should not be starting games <laughs> at this point. Will Barton, you can make the same argument there. He's basically diet Jeff Green. Yeah. Monte Morris was the starting point guard. I like Monte I like Morris. Monte I'm not Morris. sure if he's a starting point guard in the league. Then you had Jokic, and then you had Aaron Gordon, who actually started one more game than Jokic and played one more game than Jokic. So they're going to go from that lineup to Jamal Murray. Kevin Contavious Caldwell Pope, I suppose, will start. Maybe Bones Island. Who knows? Michael Porter Jr., and then Aaron Gordon, who definitely should never be your second-best starter. But if he's your fourth-best starter, that's beautiful. And then Jokic. So I think that that's probably a top-four, top-five starting five in the league right off the rip. And then you have your bench, which is like those guys who were starters last year that can come off the bench now, and then they made some additions too. So they went out and they got Bruce Brown from the Nets. Bones Highland takes the step this year. They returned Jeff Green. And then I like Christian Brown, the kid that they got from Kansas. And then they have DeAndre Jordan as well, who's like, you know, you can play 12 minutes a game when Jokic is tired, I guess. Uh, so, yeah, I think that they're they're just going to be a fucking lot better than last year, dude. Like, that team was so bad surrounding Jokic. You get MPJ and Jamal back, and I think those two guys are worth at least 12 to 15 wins for them. Absolutely. Yeah, now, as somebody who was rooting against the Nuggets, like, the second half of the season for, like, seeding purposes, because... I wanted the Wolves to get above them to get the sixth seed. I wasn't sure if we were going to end up making the playoffs. It, I mean, there was a point where a lot of Wolves fans were like, oh, look at the Nuggets roster. Like, we're going to pass them at some point. There's no way they can sustain this. Mm-hmm. Jokic was so fucking clutch down the, the stretch of, like, every single game. It was ridiculous. Like, I would, be, I would be watching close games with them, and he just was, like, unstoppable in the post. Like, either scoring or passing. Like, there's nothing you can do. You can double him. He's going to find the open man. You can guard him one-on-one. He's going to score over you. He's, he's he's really fucking incredible. It's every he, single he, possession he's a threat to score or to assist. It's like actually like berserk at this point. Like yeah. and you, you didn't like I don't think you really touched on the KCP trade, but I think that's huge for them too. I think he's a great fit. He was a huge piece. Like people used to shit on him, I remember, like the beginning of LeBron's tenure in uh LA, but he ended up being a huge piece on that championship team. Great three and D player, great role player. I mean, he's I think he's like forty he was like forty four percent from the corner on threes like that Lakers championship season. So he can definitely help out there. He's a great defending on the perimeter and people were kind of throwing a fit about them getting, getting rid of uh, Will Barton, but <laughs> Barton's like not, he's not like a winning player at this stage. 
No, 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 no. If you want to win a championship and your two guard is between KCP and Will Barton, you're going KCP every single time. Absolutely. Really good perimeter defender, doesn't go out of his role, and he's not just like, you know, a three-point shooter. Like, he can also attack the basket and finish around the rim. He always makes the right play. I I loved Contavious Caldwell-Pope. Fun fact about him, I think it was 2K13 might have been his rookie year. Um, I built a franchise for the Detroit Pistons. And I essentially like didn't play any games. I think I simmed like 15 seasons or something like that. And KCP became the greatest player of all time. I think I won like 13 <laughs> championships with him. Like it was um in that era of 2K, like players would sign for like really cheap contracts in the off season, so that way they could play for a winning team. So my team was like I'd have like Dwight Howard, Carmelo, like all like at like 94, 95 overall, paying for like two and a half million dollars a year because they wanted to win a chip. Um, but yeah, KCP the god for sure. Um, number two, I have the Memphis Grizzlies. So I believe they were the two seed last year. Actually, I think they stay around this range. Um, didn't get any worse this year. I think they actually might have gotten a little bit better. Like really, their only subtraction was I suppose Kyle Anderson. I think who went to your Timberwolves, Anthony Melton and- too. Anthony Melton to the Sixers. That that's a good call. Who are watching play right now? Yeah. Um. But then they brought in some guys that I actually like. So like they get um, David Roddy. Um. And then they got Kenneth Lofton, who I'm like you couldn't have a chunkier duo of rookies. And I like both of those guys, and I think they can give them good minutes. And then just Jaw taking the next step, and Bain getting more comfortable. And Jaron Jackson's going to be out for God knows how long, but. I think that they're like the rare team. They're almost like the the new version of the Spurs is what they're becoming, where it's like if one piece falls off, they're going to be fine because they just have the camaraderie, the chemistry, and just a shit ton of talent, 1 through 12. Yeah, I hear what you're saying. I'm I'm not quite as high on them this year. I, I think, yes, you have them second in the Western Conference standings. I like I, God making another step, taking another step, would be a case for them staying up in that range this year. I do think they're going to feel the loss of Kyle Anderson and DeAnthony Melton off the bench of the bench like jaw was out for a lot of games last year and like people know they won a lot of games with him out they were still a really good yeah. team because of that bench mob i don't think their bench is gonna be quite as good i also think jaron jackson is incredibly important to that team i guess we'll see how much time he ends up missing it sounds like he's gonna miss at least the first two months probably i think that's huge for them that's really big for their defense and i i just the the reason that they could be this good like you said would be job being really like taking another step but also desmond Bain he was incredible against the Timberwolves in that playoff series he could be the perfect complement to Ja, kind of like clay next to Steph except mm. like he's just he's he could be he's setting records for like a player shooting percentage at that at that young age um at the clip he's shooting at so I I just I, I think their bench is going to be a little bit worse I think they got a little bit younger they exchanged some of that bench depth for like you said Kenny Lofton who could be could end up being a really good piece for them. I just like I love Lofton. Yeah, I, I love Lofton dude, so much. Even, dude, he's he's such a fun. <laughs> they are just a little bit younger this year, and that that concerns me. And with the West getting more healthy, I, you could make a case that they were a little bit of a fluke last season, and that they should be peaking a little bit further down the line. My thing is, is that. I like Jaron Jackson. I don't think he's that integral to them. I think that he is um, one of those guys where, like, we saw it in the playoffs last year. Like, he's susceptible to get 5,020 minutes on any given night. Probably more in the playoffs than the regular season. I think he just got a little bit over eager, maybe, especially in that Timberwolves series and then against the Warriors. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, it's just like if you have a backcourt that is that formidable, and then we haven't even brought up the coach yet, but Taylor Jenkins is like probably five. 
top five or top six coach in the league and they're also really young and it's like when you see like the veteran teams they want to get to the playoffs obviously but like they're saving themselves for the playoffs it feels like the grizzlies are just like in go mode all year so i think i'm taking that into account too here but moving on to a veteran team the reason that i have them at number three i think they should be the favorites to come out of the west is the Golden State Warriors, the reigning champs. Uh, so they lost Gary Payton II and Grand Theft Auto Porter Jr. And then they are bringing in Dante DiVincenzo. They get Wiseman back this year. And so their starting five is going to be flawless year in and year out as long as they have Steph Clay, Wiggins, Draymond, and probably Wiseman or Kevon Looney, whichever one ends up being the starting five. And then their bench is deep too. It's like you have Jordan Poole who just signed a huge extension. You have Jonathan Kaminga taking a step. Moses Moody. And then Wiseman or Looney. And then DiVincenzo. So 10 deep, able to play like, I don't know. Steph only has to play 30 minutes most nights. My curiosity is, like we just mentioned with the Grizzlies, are they going to be in go mode all year, all regular season? Because they kind of slept walk through the regular season last year like Steph was like his numbers went up in the playoffs which is a good thing that's what you want but like if we're regular season betting them to be the one seed I just don't feel very comfortable with it because it's like they're obviously very talented Steve Kerr is a great coach I'm just curious whether or not they're motivated to go win 60 games this year yeah Steph had a down season numbers wise I remember he started off really strong last year kind of broke he broke that three-point record and then he really really trailed off I think he had like the worst second half of a season he's had percentage-wise shooting but I, I the reason to be down on them this year would be you don't really believe in that uh that depth of those young guys because I'm I'm a little bit of a hater in this aspect I have not seen it yet from Kuminga really I haven't seen it from, yet from Wiseman at all Moody could be like a solid role player but I mean, we haven't really seen that yet. None of those guys really got minutes in the playoffs. Moody got a little bit, but that that would tell you that Kerr didn't really believe in them. He didn't think they were ready yet. And, I mean, I guess we'll see if they take that jump this year. Wiseman's obviously been dealing with injuries, but um, he looked completely lost his rookie year. I, there were a lot of, like, advanced metrics showing his rookie year that he was having, like, a serious negative impact on their ability to win. Yes. And that's why they got a lot better when they stopped playing and started playing older guys that could understand the system. The argument against that is the same kind of thing happened with Poole his rookie year. He got acclimated to the system. Same thing happened to Wiggins the first year he played with the Warriors. He got acclimated to the system. Maybe that system is just that much more advanced. It takes a while to learn and get accustomed to. And once you get accustomed to it and learn learn the nuances of that, then you can really start becoming effective there. That's the bet that I'm willing to make. I'm not betting on Jonathan Kaminga. I'm betting on on his athleticism. Like we would see like freaky instances of him last year, like just sprinting 94 feet in a blur. But then I'm I'm more betting on like okay, they got Bob Myers, they got Steve Kerr, they got the infrastructure. Like all of their assistant coaches are like former players. It's like Leandro Barbosa, right. Andrew no- Andrew Bogut, Festus Azili, guys like that. And it's like with Wiseman. It wasn't just the fact that he was really, really bad. It's just that he was really inexperienced. Like, he played two games at Memphis, something like that. Ends up being the second pick. Goes there and just, yeah, is lost. He's going to the most complicated offense in the league. But he's had the benefit and the pleasure of sitting on the bench for 82 games and sitting through the finals and watching them and probably just learning the entire time, like, taking that in. And I'm not one to, like, you know, warrant a bunch of preseason hype or anything like that. But watching him in the preseason, I was like, oh, fuck. He has been looking better. Yeah. The other thing we didn't uh, mention, the whole Draymond situation. I don't know if you just let's do it. Let's you, do it. You just watch that thing. I, I only I actually like missed the the whole like uh, special or whatever heading into this 
opening game, but I watched some clips on Twitter. That was the most absurd thing I've ever seen. <laughs> this dude fill, like, fill me in. Fill me in. I oh missed my it. I was God. At They're like playing dramatic music in the background. They show him like they call they like weeks after they called it they titled it his his exile from the Warriors. They said, for lack of a better word, his exile. And he's waking oh up in his hotel, and they're playing dramatic and mu- music in the background. He like walks into his hotel or his uh, apartment's workout facility, and he's like getting a, a run on. And then they show this close up of him just like talking about the situation. I just Draymond can really piss me off sometimes, man. He, he's <laughs> he's a very self absorbed person, but it it works out to his favor for the most part. So the one thing that Draymond and I have in common is we both love LeBron. Like I saw a clip of him the other day on Twitter. He was like, it was like his 18th episode of his podcast or something like that. He's like, it's our 18th episode. We now have as many episodes as LeBron James has all-star appearances. <laughs> and I was like, this is the content I come to Twitter for because it's just like Draymond dick riding. I'm dick riding Braun. And you know what? Like I love him as a player. I love him as a person, but it's really hard to defend him a lot of the time. Yeah. And you know, that's, that's the case for a lot of our guys, you know, like, Ant had his situation that popped up like a month ago that didn't yeah. look too good. Yeah. But it's also like, it's also like, can you fucking blame him, dude? Like, he's a 21 year old kid from Atlanta. I mean, dude, all right. So I, you know, I'm coaching basketball and stuff like that. And yeah. Two, two of the coaches that are like the heads of the program, they coached me when I was, you know, seventh grade through my junior year of high school. And these guys have not adjusted their language for anybody. They're both parole officers. They're <laughs> both like 45, 50 year old black men. Like they'll say whatever the fuck they want. And you know what? Nobody's recording them. So it doesn't matter. But like, I know the kind of guys that Ant was growing up around and like, they're not changing their language either. So exactly. it's like, he just grew up around that. It's like, but yeah, you know, it, it was inappropriate and all that kind on of stuff. On one side of like, the, on one side of this, the situation, like it's good that people are mad at him and it's holding him accountable. Yes. I think he's a good person. He's going to want to grow from it. I think he will. He'll learn from it. But on the other side, there's like all these fucking like nerds on Reddit who grew up in completely like different situations who are like acting superior to this dude because they have like better morals now. It's like, dude, he's 21 years old. You can grow from this. And it's like, it, it just like, it, it's not that big of a deal at the end of the day. Do not suspend Ant. I couldn't take it. No, yeah, that, that would have been ridiculous. There's been a lot of, there's been a lot of uh, homophobic comments from NBA players in the past. And there's never been a suspension, which it sets a bad yeah. precedent, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> All right, number four, I'm really high on this team. I put um, a significant amount of units on um, that. They're over this year at 44.5 regular season wins. I have the New Orleans Pelicans at number four. Um, Just what I saw from them in the first round of the playoffs without Zion last year, they get him back. Um, Another year of McCollum, a full year of McCollum, hopefully. You got CJ, Brandon Ingram, Herb Jones, Zion, and Jonas Valanciunas. And I'm curious where you would place that amongst the rest of the starting fives in the league because when I look at that on paper i'm like are right, you have cj who's a top 30 scorer probably not a great defender then you have bi who i had as a top 15 player in our top 50 list which is certainly debatable for most people but you know what i stand by it shout out to busy uh, then you have herb jones who i have like i'll just say it right now i haven't won defensive player of the year because i think he is just a fucking anomaly defensively and i think it's about time they give it to a wing and not a big and then you have zion who's a freak of nature and then you have Jonas valanciunas who's just like he's not going to give up offensive rebounds he's going to have the sick slick back hair looking like mark hodovec in the cut and just a lethal three-point shooter all of a sudden so 
I really like this team on paper. I want to see it mesh in the first 15 to 16 games because they looked really good without Zion. But throwing Zion in isn't like throwing in Jokic or Kevin Durant where they can just mesh into any offense. Like You kind of got to build up for Zion a little bit. So where do you stand on the Pelicans? Are you as high on them as I am? I'm really high on them too. I, I, I wish I wasn't because like I want the – Obviously, I want the Wolves to be able to take that jump this year, and they're one of those teams that are taking that jump with us. I, they, they, the talent is undeniable. Um, the the only question with this team would be the defense, because when we've seen Zion's been unstoppable offensively, he's one of the best finishers around the rim with his size, which and athleticism, which is just it, it it's unfucking stoppable. Um, that adding that to the offensive talent they already have is absurd like I said, the question is defense because when Zion has played, he has not been able to move his feet the same for whatever reason, the same way that he did at Duke Duke. He, at Duke, he was a pretty good uh, defensive player. He hasn't had that kind of lateral speed for whatever reason. And Brandon Ingram also has taken a step back defensively the past couple of years. Hopefully that's because um, he's been taking on a bigger offensive load and he's having, having to play more minutes, be more of a playmaker. So now that everybody's offensive load is down, they'll be able to focus more defensively. Um, but yeah, dude, like, I mean, they could honestly like this, their ceiling is literally a championship. That's how talented this team is. If they were to stay healthy, if Zion is, I mean, Zion averaged what 27 a game on like 60% from the field (laughs) or something ridiculous is like a second season in the league. If he's doing that and they also have Brandon Ingram as like their number two and CJ is their number three, that, that, and Jonas, Jonas Valanciunas as their center too, that that's, that's a ridiculous team. I mean, B.I. was like, he looked like a number one option in the Phoenix series. Yeah. Like, I think people are like, holy fuck, when did Brandon Ingram get this good? I'm like, guys, like, you guys should have been watching the last two seasons because he's just been cooking. Yeah. And he's just completely elevated his game. But talking about the defensive side of things, their bench is like all defensive specialists. True. You have Jose Alvarado, who like came onto the scene out of fucking nowhere, like a sneaky little prick that he is. Then you got Trey Murphy, who is just a polished three-point shooter, can go for six threes on any given night and clamp up on that end as well. Then you have Larry Nance, who's just a really formidable backup big. He could start for you some nights if Zion or Valanciunas goes down. Then you got Jackson Hayes, who's just an energizer bunny, catching lobs, blocking shots. And then I really like the rookie, Dyson Daniels. Like, he can't score for shit, but he's a really, really talented playmaker. And he's the kind of guy where you throw him into an offense, he's just going to figure out what the fuck to do because he's a really smart and heady player. And then defensively, he's really gifted too. So, once again, that's another team that's 10 deep in the West. And it's like, I just, I see them, like, I should have put, honestly, 50-plus games because I think that's what they get to this year. Yeah. yeah. I mean, the other question we didn't mention, obviously, is health because... Yeah. And obviously has not been able to stay healthy at this point in his career. But And McCollum. McCollum has some injury history as well. well. B.I.'s actually been pretty healthy, which is like a gift from yeah. God. So knock on wood for that one. Um, but And yeah, Larry Nance has had injury history. Uh, so it, it is it is certainly a question. But that's a question for every team. I try not to take it too much into account when I'm looking at the teams, um, unless it's somebody who's really susceptible to injury like Zion. But I just think the talent around him is good enough to get them to 45 wins with or without him. Yeah, yeah. You think if this team is healthy in the playoffs, you think about them in a playoff series, like going down the stretch, and they can go to CJ, they can go to BI, and they can go to Zion, and it's or they can even go to JV if you're trying to play small on them or something. It's uh, it, it's it's scary. Like I, I I can't imagine the Wolves winning that playoff series to be honest if they're fully healthy. And I'm really fucking high on the Wolves. So, 
All right, number five, I have the Los Angeles Clippers. I don't feel great about this one. A lot of people are really, really high on the Clippers going into the season. I get it. I love Kawhi Leonard. I actually love Paul George as well, even though it might not seem like it all the time. Um, they have some pretty solid depth. They're bringing in John Wall. They got Reggie Jackson. They're returning Zubach. They lost Isaiah Hartenstein, who was actually kind of clutch for them last year, especially in closing minutes as their defensive big. Um but it's just, you know, it's Norman Powell, Robert Covington, a bunch of wings that you're familiar with that you might not like to see jump off the page a lot, but are definitely above average rotation players. I'm curious where you stand on the Clippers because it seems like all of the pundits are like picking them to come out of the West and stuff. And, you know, it's your four of this experiment with Paul George and Kawhi. And I, I'm not really sure how to feel about it being like, like this is the year that they finally get over the hump. It's like, really? The fourth fucking year of this? Like, I don't think that's how things work typically. Yeah, this is actually my finals pick for this season. I, I have the wow, I have okay, the over the Bucks. So, which is like the most basic pick from what I've heard. Like, I think Zach Lowe is the same exact uh, pick too. But yeah, I just, I mean, it, the question with them is literally health. Like, if they could stay healthy, you saw how they played. I think PG, the the big thing when they lost in the bubble, PG had some sort of mental block and he was not able to yep. perform in the playoffs. It was the same kind of thing in OKC. I don't know what was going on. Because he was a good playoff player with the Pacers, going up, going up against LeBron in those uh, Heat Pacers series. Well, even when Kawhi went out, he was a great playoff. Well, yeah, player. no, that's why I, I think he got over that. And when Kawhi went out, like he he they went toe to toe with the Suns. I think they took him to six games, right? Yep. And um, I I think he he got over something there. And if they can just stay healthy now, I think. I mean, if you had added Kawhi to that team that went up against the Suns in the Western Conference Finals, it's hard to think a healthy Kawhi wouldn't have guided that team to a championship that's kind of my thinking there and they all they somehow added more wing depth since then when they were already loaded <laughs> there so it's just like they, yeah we didn't they, even talk about like brandon boston jr terrence Mann. it's just like everybody on the team's like pretty good at basketball yeah yeah and i i agree with your seating here having them at like a lo- little bit lower like four or five range because i like obviously Kawhi is going to rest a shit ton of games pg is going to rest some fucking games that's just what they do and it's it's smart and now they're like built to do that because they have all these good wings who can back up them like they're they're not like uh they're not going to be playing those guys as often in the playoffs but they don't need to Uh, i think Kawhi has proven when healthy i guess we'll see what he looks like coming off like another knee injury maybe this could be the one that finally like takes him down a peg but if he's the same guy like that he's arguably like a top three like arguably you could argue the best playoff performer we have in the league right now after what he did with the raptors that championship run and then what he did in that clipper that what he did in that clipper series against the mavs um the second year uh before he got injured like that dude what he had like 45 and like 70 percent from the field in like game six that was one of the most absurd performances i've ever seen he was getting like steals and blocks like half the possessions and they needed it from him because Luca was playing like a fucking maniac that series too. So if, if they have him at, at his like elite level and they have PG playing well, backing him up, and then they have all that wing depth, it's it's really hard to see them not um, being really fucking good. It's all on Kawhi. It yeah. really is. Yeah. I think this is a good team. I think it's it's a similar situation to the Pelicans. It's like the Pelicans could win a championship if Zion stays healthy. The Clippers could win a championship if Kawhi stays healthy, but if both of those guys get hurt, it's like second round is their ceiling, Yeah, I suppose. Uh, so I think that it's about, you know, Paul George like saying 
you know, he's the Robin to Kawhi's Batman and all this kind of stuff. Like, he needs to have the mindset that he's Batman because when he does, like, he's actually lethal and he's just a lot more visibly aggressive. Like, you could see the difference between PG without Kawhi yeah. and PG with Kawhi. That's an interesting take, actually, because, yeah, I've been, I've been like, because I've been really high on this team since they put these two together and it just it hasn't panned out mostly because of injuries um, that bubble season because of Paul George kind of choking. But it is interesting, like, do they do their skills overlap so much that they kind of cancel each other out to an extent? That could be the question because like maybe that's why they had so much success after Kawhi went out um, against the Suns because then PG was fully able to be himself. Maybe you can't just do that when Kawhi's handling the ball so much and kind of playing his same role on offense. But well, let's look at it this way. Let's look at it as all right. The Celtics just made it to the finals last year with Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, right? And we had Jason at number nine on our list and Kawhi at number 10 on our list, um, specifically because Kawhi was hurt all of last year. I think if Kawhi plays 60 games last year, he's probably higher than Jason on this Jason on this list. And then we had, I believe Jalen was at 17 right ahead of Ants, and then Paul George somewhere around 22 or 23. And there are definitely some nights I would take Paul George over Jalen Brown. So I think that the recipe is certainly there. And if they're going to follow the Celtics recipe, it's, well, those two guys would have to get younger and stay healthy all year. But they'd also just have to have the rest of the team play significantly better defense than they have the last two years. Because when they came together for the Clippers, everybody was like, oh, this is going to be the best defensive team we've ever seen. Patrick Beverly, Paul George, Kawhi Leonard, Montrez Harrelin, Markeith Morris. And then it ended up being the Lakers who were the defensive team with like Caruso stepping up to the plate and LeBron and AD and KCP and stuff like that. So that's, you know, it's a cliche, but it's a cliche for a reason. Defense wins championships. So John Wall, Reggie Jackson, you guys are going to have to guard point guards, buddy. Like you got to go against Jamal Murray in the playoffs. You got to go against CJ McCollum, John Morant. Like I'm not sure who they throw at those guys because I don't think Kawhi has the energy to exert against those kinds of players every single night. Yeah, and it, I, I think people kind of underestimated that, like, the big position is, like, the most important position defensively. At least, I mean, at least in the regular season um, in the modern NBA. I think you could make the same argument for the playoffs. It's like, Gobert is, like, genius around the paint, but, like, once you go five out against him, he has to be able to move his feet. Yeah, I mean, we'll get into that argument more later. I'm not, I'm now of the of the position. Oh, here we go. It's more about well, the atrocious perimeter defenders he had around him, so he had to help yeah. out too much, but... I, I agree with that. Um, yeah. But no, I, th- I mean, like Montrez Harrell's not a good defender. He never has been. I think that might have been like a misconception about the pre-Kawhi era Clippers because he kind of plays with a lot of tenacity and he was like aligned with Pat Beverly and people kind of thought he was also just a good defender. But he's he's really bad on that end. And I think they just they just didn't have a good defensive big that year. Zubats is like maybe average. Um, but I, if they would have had Hartenstein, if they would have had Hartenstein that year, maybe you know they maybe. they make a bigger splash. And I, I think, I mean, their their peak um, is going to be like going smaller anyway. Like in the playoffs, that's going to be how they kind of fuck teams up is like going small. And they do have like big enough forwards that they can just play them at five and go small ball five with that. So and just switch everything anyway. Number six, we have the Phoenix Suns. Now this is the, the former one seed in the Western Conference and. I didn't know where to put them. I was like, I don't like them more than the Nuggets. I don't like them more than the Grizzlies, Warriors, Pelicans, Clip or Clippers. So I was like, I guess I'll just put them at six. And it feels, I feel bad about it because you know me. I love Chris Paul. I love Devin Booker. I really like that starting five overall with Mikael Bridges and 
even though Jay Crowder's holding out this year. Uh, Camp Johnson probably goes into the starting lineup, and then you have Aiton. But then I saw the bench, and I was like, oh, this is a, this is an ugly bench they're dealing with. It's Cam Payne, Landry Shamit, Tory Craig, Dario Saric, and Damian Lee. And I looked at that, and I was like, if one of these guys goes out in the starting five, <laughs> it could be ugly because they have a lot of drama with the Aiton situation. They just had the opportunity to give uh, Cam Johnson his rookie extension, and they foregoed it. So he is just like playing for a contract this year. So I'm not sure what their front office is doing. James Jones, their general manager, is like by all accounts like a really good guy that like wants to pay these players, but Sarver just refuses to because he's trying to sell the team. But it's just like, dude, I don't know, like that. That Western Conference series against the Mavericks, it was scarring. I think that it just like it's a scar that doesn't go away this regular season. I I feel the same way. It really felt. I mean, it was it was shocking watching it. I still remember watching it. It was insane. Holy it was shit. the fucking weirdest thing I'd ever seen on national television. It did feel. I I did feel like it was more about Luca somehow than the Suns. Like Luca was just just absolutely shitting on them. But yeah, no, I mean, Chris Paul was bad the whole second half of that series. There's, like, rumors now that he had COVID or something, but it's, like, I don't know. It's been a lot of playoff the, um, performance. The rumor is that everybody had COVID. Like, yeah. the entire team got sucked off by that girl from the, uh, what is it, the, what's the Adam-22 pod called? I always forget. Yeah, like, I don't Aldo remember. Aldo Lyers or something like that. Adam-22 pod, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah no, no jumper. Yeah, no, no jumper. No, no spawns for no jumper, but yeah, I'm pretty sure they all got COVID from that chick that topped them all off. It's very possible. Room. It looked like they all had COVID. I mean, I, I mean, they did win game six convincingly, though, right? Or was it game five? They won like one yes. of those final three games in, convincingly. In, in Dallas. In Dallas, yeah. they won convincingly. Yeah, which is strange, but I just feel like I... I've like kind of been like a Chris Paul stan a lot of my life, honestly, and it just, I just think he's gotten to the point where, I mean, he was he was old as he, we we thought he was old as fuck. What like four years ago when he's had this renaissance, I feel like it it's got to just be coming to an end at this point, and it's kind of sad, but it's like, dude's old as fuck. Dude's old as fuck, and I I him like lasting another season. He's kind of had a stroke of luck health wise the last few years. I guess he had like the some wrist thing last year that kept him out for a while, but it didn't really like yeah. have any long term effects on his the end of his season. It, the or idea it. of him like lasting <laughs> another long season um, healthy is like it seems pretty unlikely to me at this point. And if he's unhealthy, you like you listed off their bench players. Their bench is not looking great. It's weird that Jay Crowder is just like saying is he. Is he mad they're not getting like a bigger extension? Is that what's going on? I honestly have not been following the situation that closely. We need to like start monitoring like the guys who are allowed to ask out because that's what he's doing. He's like, I don't like the vibes here. I don't fuck with Robert Sarver. He that's said bad is. things about black people. I want out of here. Yeah, dude, he you're a role player. Like, hey, you shouldn't be allowed to do that. And like, you're he's hurting his own stock. I feel like and his own ability to get a good contract by sitting out. Except unless maybe he's like getting some. Al Horford type rest that'll give him like a great next season. So I, I don't even fucking know at this point. But <laughs> he's also like hurting his stock every time he shoots the ball and he misses not even yeah. like the like the like the misses the shot, but like misses the rim by four yeah. feet and just clanks backboard. He is like the definition of like everybody talked about this way with J.R. Smith. J.R. Smith was a pretty consistent shooter, I thought. Like he might have some games where he goes two for eight, yeah. but Jay Crowder is either seven for nine or zero for twelve. Like there's no in between with Jay Crowder. Absolutely, and I I think the other reason people are lower on the Suns, it is weird. I will say because they won, did they win sixty three games last year? They won over mm-hmm. sixty, and it's like people are expecting them if they're going to be six in the West, which is where you have them ranked, and I'm not arguing it. 
they have to take a big drop in wins because I don't think the one seed is going to be getting 63 games this year. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think any team won 60 games this year. I don't have yeah, anybody in the East winning 60. I, I don't have anybody in the it, West winning 60. It, yeah, yeah, just too much competition up top this year, like in the top eight seeds for both conferences. But I think if they're going to – if they're going to like um, – do that again this season they need guys to step up and i just don't really see what is like campaign gonna take a big jump this season like there's that's not gonna fucking happen i um who's their power, you're, you're, who's their uh power forward um yeah is he from, cam johnson cam johnson that's the one guy who maybe could take a leap but i think devin booker is a great player i think he kind of is who he is at this point i expect chris paul to de- continue to decline a bit as he kind of has the past few years and I just I can't see them replicating what they did last year. I, I can't see it happening. I'm gonna say this: you're, you're spewing way too much Chris Paul hate on this podcast <laughs> right now, and I won't take it. I think that you are right that he can't sustain this level of play for 85 games, but I know he can for 60. That's what he's demonstrated, and he is like the kind of guy who's gonna be good at basketball forever because like it's not like he's gonna get that much less explosive from year 17 to year 18 or whatever he's in right now because it's like. He's already over the hill on that. Like, like you remember, like how explosive Chris Paul was on the Hornets. Like he, we talked about this the other day on the pod, but he dunked on Dwight Howard. No, yeah, like that's that's something he did. Like he dunked on Dwight Howard. It's really a shame. Like he had a big ACL tear or something that like really took a yeah. step off his athleticism before he went to the Clippers, right? Yeah, and that's what like that was the thing is like once he got to the Clippers, it's like oh he put on some weight. He's not near as quick, but he's yeah. still like very smart. Yeah, um, and just a psycho competitor. And it's sad that he'll never get a ring because he definitely is like I don't want people to say like Chris Paul is not a winner just because he didn't win a ring. No, winning a ring is really fucking hard. Like you look at like all the guys who have won rings at like Embiid. Like what he's not a winner. Like I'm sorry. Like I, I think that he is. It's just he hasn't been on the right team yet. No, I, I honestly think Chris Paul is one of the like biggest winners in that sense of the word that we've had like in the past couple decades like he 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 wins fucking games and he just had a lot of unlucky moments in the playoffs all those clipper years like it was always him or blake griffin getting hurt they were like alternated years where they would get hurt in the playoffs or they would both get hurt and no like he 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 controls fucking games he's he was always like second to lebron in terms of iq and the ability to really kind of take over a game with your iq all right number seven it's time I have the Minnesota Timberwolves as the first team in the play-in. I'll just say they win the play-in, I guess. Sure, why not? I mean, 7 through 10 here, it's kind of awkward. But the Timberwolves, uh, let's talk about Ant first because the Ant jump is coming. We've talked about this in the past, but for all of his explosiveness and his touch and his ability to get his shot off, he does struggle around the rim if he's not fucking putting his crotch in somebody's face and dunking on someone what what do you even do to like kind of train that part of your brain to like become like a D Wade level finisher around the rim? Like, does he need to develop a better floater? Is it like go to a reverse layup, try to do a little bit less, and maybe just finish cleaner? What's the thing with him that he needs like actually start finishing the rim more efficiently? So yeah, it's interesting. There's actually been like a lot of talk this off season, or at least like the past like month, about how Ant spent this off season putting on weight he's actually like gotten stronger which is weird because he was already like a thicker guy and it it is concerning big dude yeah big dude he's big as fuck he was already big as fuck and it's concerning because you think about like anthony davis who was already like big enough theoretically and he put on more weight and it led him to getting injured Mm -hmm. but and has talked about it in some press conferences and he's been saying he needed to put on more weight 
so that he could like finish through contact, which makes sense. And he he put up huge emphasis on his finishing ability this offseason, which is big. I read like this big fucking interview with uh, Chris Finch where he was talking about that was a big point of emphasis with Ant this offseason. We wanted him to get better at both finishing and playmaking. Those were like the big things for him, which I makes sense. Those were like the two biggest weaknesses in his game probably. Uh, They're pushing D'Lo out the door because they want point guard Ant, baby. I'm ready for point Ant. I'm ready for point Ant, too. I don't think we're pushing D'Lo out the door, though. I wouldn't say that. I'm, um, D'Lo can play off ball. He's a great catch and shoot, like, spot-up shooter. No, we should, but, I mean, we, he should be playing off the ball a little bit. But, like, I mean, they can definitely share that role. It could be, like, a Chris Paul, uh, Devin Booker type situation. I think, like, like I said before, I think D'Lo is going to benefit a ton from having Rudy Gobert as his pick-and-roll partner. His mm-hmm. best season of his career was with the Nets when he had Jared Allen as like a lob threat for what everybody, uh, whatever you like about cat, like for everything he can do offensively, he can't set screens very well and he can't catch lobs. He, he I think Chris, Frank- he can set screens pretty well. He just doesn't want to because he's a baby back bitch. Yeah, He is kind of a fucking bitch, but you know what? If he's, if, if he's going to be taking way more threes in his role in the offense this year, I'm all for it. And the, the past couple years, his three point attempts have been going down um he has these like he i think he cares like way too much about his percentage or something like he's always talking about like he'll miss a couple and then he like doesn't want to take threes anymore during a game he's aaron Rodgers with interceptions i fucking knew it that makes so much sense it's the same fucking thing two years ago like the year after jamie left um he got he was injured for most of that season but we started the first uh like 20 games of this season like um 12 and uh 12 and 8 somehow like despite having a really shitty roster it was like him shitty version of andrew wiggins and like a bunch of like garbage role players and Jeff Teague, and Cat uh, was taking like 10 threes a game and shooting 40%. Since then, his three point attempts have gone down. I really want him to get back to like just fucking shooting that thing constantly throughout the game. He's been driving a lot the last few seasons. You think with Rudy Gobert down low, that should go down. We need him to space the floor more, more so he should be taking more threes, even step back threes. Dude is like, I, as much as I shit on Cat for like being in a pussy because he is. He's really fucking good at like step back threes, and I, I he only, he only rarely takes them. If he takes those more, I would I would be fucking psyched. Sidestep threes, step backs, not just catch and shoot threes. I'm so with that because like you don't need to run him off of like a floppy action and have him like you know catching on the move and he shooting or something that like that. Too. Like he should do all like, that shit. If he calls himself the best big man shooter in the league, you need to fucking prove it. You need to like up your attempts. You can't just pretty sure he said of all time. I'm, yeah. I'm pretty sure he's like, I'm the GOAT big man shooter. And it's like, right. all right, then shoot the shit out of the ball then. He could, yeah, exactly. He could be right. You might be the best three-point shooter. I mean, I don't think you're better in the mid-range than Dirk. I don't think you're better like shooting off balance than Dirk. But like, prove it. Take some more difficult shots. Run off screens and take fucking threes. Um, but I, I, I got kind of sidetracked there. Back to fucking D'Lo. I think D'Lo and the uh, Rudy Gobert pick and roll is going to be fucking huge for this team. Chris Finch has been talking about how our goal is to have kind of alternate D'Lo and Gobert being together and Ant and Cat going being together on the floor because D'Lo and Gobert could be like a great pick and roll duo. They can kind of run the offense together. And then Cat and Ant have proven that they play really well on the court together. Ant and Cat can run the pick and pop where Ant drives to the rim and kicks it out to him or obviously finishes inside. So I really like the idea of that and kind of alternating those guys that way. My challenge for Finch this year is going to be have two of those guys on the court at all times. Have Ant and Cat out there, Ant and Gobert, D'Lo and Cat, D'Lo and Ant, and then you can fill in the blanks with McDaniels. I really like Jalen Noel. Nas Reed is like a filthy backup big. I fucking love Nas Reed. And then you have Kyle Anderson coming in. 
You guys have my boy at Duke, Wendell Moore Jr. as your rookie. I think that he could give you some pretty solid PT. And then who knows where else they go from there. It's like, I mean, they're they're like sneaky deep. Like, I really like this yeah. team. And it's, a lot of you know, they have playoff experience now. So it's like once you get that taste of that, just that little bit of crack, all you want is more. Right. A lot of, like a lot of people's concern with this team is the bench depth. But you talked about Jalen Noel. I think he could be like the scoring punch you need off the bench. Kyle Anderson proved with the Grizzlies. He can run like a bench offense. He can handle the ball. He can play defense. Great piece to have coming off there. Um, concerns with this team, Jaden McDaniels needs to be like a really fucking good perimeter defender. I'm confident he can. He's like 6'10". He's super athletic. He can move like really fucking fluid for his size, long arms. He has a fouling problem. That's the big thing with him. In the preseason, I, I just watched our most recent preseason game with the Nets. He was fouling the shit out of KD. It is Kevin Durant, so hopefully that it is that that problem doesn't persist. But he really needs to cut that out because like we need him on the court, and we need Ant to be like Ant supposedly taking defense really serious this year. He needs to be like our lead point of attack defender outside of McDaniel's, and he can be that. I think he proved in the the Memphis series that I mean he kind of locked up Ja for a lot of those games when he was assigned him. Mm-hmm. He like really puts his mind to it. I mean he is the he has the athleticism and the the strength to definitely lock some dudes up. So, all right, we got we got to move on. Yeah, I'm sorry. Sorry, no, it's fine. I can go on. <laughs> <laughs> all right, number eight, we have the uh, the Dallas Mavericks. So they lose Jalen Brunson. They bring in Christian Wood. They're coming off of a trip to the Western Conference Finals. I don't I don't know if people remember that. Like the Dallas Mavericks were one of the last four teams in the NBA last year when we got into the depths of May. And it was all because of Luka Doncic. And Dinwiddie was pretty good help. Didn't have Tim Hardaway Jr. But I think, honestly, the biggest reason they actually got there was the transition from Rick Carlisle to Jason Kidd. So his first year, very successful. My concern is that this might be a similar theory to what happened with Thibodeau and the Knicks. Thibodeau comes in. He has the Knicks really committed to playing defense. They make it to the playoffs. They end up getting bounced by the Hawks. They overperform expectations. The Mavericks, same thing. Overperform expectations. Nobody, like especially me, nobody thought they were going to the conference finals last year. We all thought that they were going to lose to the Suns in that series. They end up throttling them in the second round. And Luka is just playing like... I did the numbers on him and LeBron like in their first four years, and like they're almost identical. So he is that special of a player. It's just whether or not like he can... When Brunson is not available, like does Dinwiddie take a step up? Is it Tim Hardaway Jr. that takes a step up? I don't know who the secondary playmaker is going to be here because Brunson, like, he's not you know an all star by any means, but he was so pivotal for them just to like take the load off of Luca a little bit. Yeah, I mean the question with them, like, who's their second best player? Is is Christian Wood their second best player? I love Christian Wood. There will be no Christian Wood slander on this pod. 19-11 and 11 for the Rockets last year. Granted, they didn't have a lot of good players, and he was getting a lot of touches and minutes, but I think he's one of those guys who's like, Dallas is going to have a lot of primetime games. Wood's going to be on TNT all the fucking time, and I think you're going to find like Shaq and like Charles Barkley being like, I really like this Christian Wood boy. Like He goes out there and he plays hard. <laughs> he, I mean, he has that upside, right? I think it's just the question of like, he has like i feel like he has some personality issues i i actually don't know that well because like i have not been following the rockets that closely or the detroit pistons before that yeah or the pistons i I know he has like supposed good shot blocking ability he can hit threes and he's a great uh rim runner which is like all you want from a big right and really efficient in the pick and roll too sets good screens you would love him 
Yeah, but exactly. But it just sounds like maybe he doesn't do that on, cons on a consistent basis and he doesn't have a good attitude. But you could also attribute that to him being on a bad team and not um, liking being on a bad team. So maybe he gets his act up playing with Luka. I'd yeah, I'd be, I'd probably be pretty puff fucking pissed too if Jalen Green was pulling up from twenty six feet every five plays and Kevin Porter Jr. didn't look at me once on when I was wide open in a pick and roll. And yeah. then before that, he was in Detroit with like Ish Smith, and now he's going to Luka Doncic. It's like he's going from it's like going from I don't even know McDonald's to like a steakhouse. It's ridiculous what he's doing. For sure, I can I can understand that. But I, at the end of the day, like I mean, we have them eighth for a reason. I think that's like an accurate position for them. I think they're the worst of like the good teams in the West and they should make the playoffs just because Luca is that good, but he's surrounded by a bunch of like good role players like Christian Wood, good player. He's a good role player. You know, I don't, I don't think he has any like really good secondary star next to him. And like Luca, did you forget about Dorian Finney Smith? Dorian Finney star. He's a really, really good role player. But he's, he's <laughs> above that. And it, I, I, Luca could like break the record for, I, I saw somebody predict this, that Luca could break the record for, uh, usage percentage or whatever the fuck mm. this year and i could definitely see that because like who's he giving the ball up to if he plays if he plays enough minutes he might average 35 a game and like 12 assists somehow and i if there's ever a year to bet on him to win the mvp i'm sure he's the favorite probably i would not absolutely hammer that yeah plus 450 right now i believe on fan duel um yeah, the usage percentage thing is going to be hard to break because I think – I'm not sure if it's Westbrook in 2017 or Harden in 2018. One of them got up to like 43%, Yeah, which is like insane. Like if you think about that, like com comparable to like LeBron's highest year, I think LeBron's highest year is like 31. And being like a whole 12% higher than him is just like unfathomable. But, hey, you know what? Those offenses were, were designed that way, and that's the heliocentric downfall. It's like if Luka goes out for – any modicum of games. Let's say Luca goes out for fifteen games, oh and fifteen. Like unless they're running into the Spurs for four of those. Yeah, yeah. It's it's gonna be it'd be pretty bad. Um, all right, number nine. Can't believe it took us this long to get to them. Um, it's the Los Angeles Lakers. Uh, I think they might have the highest variance of teams. I think that I could actually see them getting up to maybe the five seed, and I could see them being as low as with their current roster, or if they made a trade. If they make a trade. Okay. Well, actually, I could talk myself into LeBron and Anthony Davis on any given day. Like, just give me like give me both of them for 65 games, and I can talk myself into I it think because they Westbrook, are that good and that special together. I think if Westbrook is playing 30-plus minutes, that's... Oh, no, Westbrook is not playing 30-plus minutes. Yeah, this year. Need, There's no way. Yeah, because if he is, I honestly, he's honestly like taking so much away from AD and LeBron's game that it makes it so much more difficult. Yes, and well, the reason he had to play so many minutes last year is because like, like their other point guard options at towards the end of the year were like DJ Augustine, and it was just like really sad. And yeah. now you have like Kendrick Nunn available. You have Beverly. Like I would even rather play Reeves at the one than those got like than him. I mean, it's like Schroeder. I don't know. It's like there's just better options this year at that position. Yeah. Whereas last year it felt like he had to play. I wouldn't have played him if I was Vogel, um, just because like yeah he is at this point in his career he's literally cancer to a team like he's actively making you worse when he is on the floor and you're genuinely like not just better but also cleaner more efficient and you just like look prettier when you're out when he's not out there so yeah i don't know what the deal is that they should make like i saw the buddy heel to miles turner deal for the 27 and 2029 20, and russell and it's like that doesn't seem like enough but also at the same time like 
do whatever the fuck you can to like maximize this window right now because if you brought in I don't think they should go out and get one guy like I brought it up on the pod yesterday with Peter and Masterson but I don't think they should get Bradley Beal but like if they have the ability to get let's say I'm not sure Keldon Johnson Devin Vassell Trey Jones something like that from the Spurs like go for that go for the three for one deal rather than like the the one for one and the couple of picks yeah whatever they do they have they have to be confident that it can get them a championship because those two picks could be very valuable like I, that could mm-hmm. be LeBron could be either gone to go play with wherever uh Bronny's playing or he could be re- I mean I don't know when he's going to retire he probably won't be retired by then but regardless the Lakers team could be really bad and those picks could be super valuable then so they need to like definitely think wisely about using those. But on the flip side, this is arguably the greatest player of all time, and like you have like one of the best uh, defensive and like just one of the most versatile bigs of all time next playing next to him, who plays in the pick and roll and complements him super well. And they won a championship together already. They proved they can do it if you put the right surrounding pieces around him. If you think you can win a championship, go do it and maximize the end of this dude's career because it it's that's like an awesome thing for your franchise and it's it's just it's it sucks it sucks that they made that fucking Westbrook trade because it's fucked the last two seasons for him and it it I feel like everybody knew right away when it happened that it was probably gonna not work I mean there was part of me I'm I've always I've been like a Westbrook hater for a while so that's what I thought right away but I was also like. It is LeBron. He could make it work. It's LeBron and it. I did the same thing. I wasn't sure. I tried to talk myself into it. Yeah. I tried so hard. I was like, if anybody's going to make it work, it's going to be LeBron. Right. And it was just like, it's just not going to work. Like, because in Washington, like, he wasn't that bad, but it's because, like, they ran the Westbrook offense and that East was really bad that year. Exactly. And they ended up getting swept in the first round. Like, Bradley Beal was like, ooh, this is exciting. Somebody that gives a shit. Like, yeah. John Wall hasn't played with me for, like, 154 games, so it's nice to have a point guard that actually cares. Exactly. But then he gets to L.A. and it's just like, oh, brother, it's like he's missing shots, like, badly. He's like Jay Crowdering instead of from three-point range. He's doing it from the mid-range, and it's like – buddy like what happened it's just i think it's honestly like kind of a mental block with him at this point because he's definitely still physically gifted and it's just it's a curiosity for me like you gotta go see a sports psychologist or something it's not enough to just try to like grind through it like that's just not the right response and i think he's just so stubborn that like he refuses to do that and it also could be like the situation that I don't believe like the argument that some pundits make where it's like he was never really that good because I watched him in Oklahoma City and he was definitely the second best player on that team that made it to the finals and beat good teams like the Spurs and the Lakers. Like he was efficient. He was pulling up from like 15 feet and draining shit. And obviously he was like 24 years old at that point and not, what is he, 33 now? So it was different in that way too. But it's like he's never committed to the defensive end. He's always been a me first guy and... I don't know. I, I respect him. I, I love how competitive he is. It's just, it's really sad to see like what he's kind of become considering what he was. It it really is. It, it's, it's almost like it, it makes his whole career look a little bit differently almost. Cause he, yes, always, absolutely. He, he's always known in this as this guy who like, he really gave a shit and he was going to try and um, every night, even if you were playing the fucking Pistons or the fucking magic, like he was going to give it everything he had. But people didn't really take into account that, like, he I don't think he was ever a great defensive player. He never had, like, great defensive IQ. Maybe, I mean, when he was super athletic, I'm sure he was, like, above average just because of what that did for him, being able to, like, play passing lanes and stuff. But, like, now that he's lost a little bit of a step and, like, just on this team right now, like, 
all of his flaws are showing so much bigger than they ever have. And it's, it, it is just pretty sad to see. I think the, the defensive thing is interesting because it's like, there are a lot of guys that can make up for it with their athleticism. Yeah. And I'd have to go back and watch, cause I don't think I watched it closely enough back then, but I, that was never something you thought of when you thought of him. You never thought of defense and you should have thought of defense with right. him because he was like, like you think of defense with Chris Paul, especially in his athletic prime. It's like leading the league in steals every, every year clamping your best player. And if somebody is really that competitive, then they don't just do it on one end of the floor. They have to do it on both. And yeah. especially if they have the ability to like, I believe Trey Young's really competitive, but he just doesn't have the body or the physical tools to like actually play defense and that's not his fault it's just the fact that you know he's really gifted offensive player so gifted that he demands the ball all the time and stuff like that but um all right let's move into the last team wait hold up in the play before we get to the kings can i take a piss real quick yeah sure all right i have to go pee pee piss my pants i'll be back we'll do a, a quick ad read here on the pod uh this podcast is brought to you by the nba on tnt McCoy and I are recording this during the middle of the fourth quarter of the Philadelphia 76ers and the Boston Celtics. Jalen Brown just attempted a shot, and James Harden just rebounded it. James Harden looked really good in the first half. Uh, He was playmaking. He was getting to a step back, drawing fouls on the three-pointer, just looking like the gifted basketball savant that he truly is. And as things have always gone in his career, and as somebody who loved James Harden for so long but has kind of turned on him the last couple of years, it's just more of the same with this team. And I wanted to believe in Philly this year, and it's it's really early. It's the first game. Tyrese Maxey looks unbelievable. I think that the roster is very talented, but I think there's a different cream of the crop in the Eastern Conference. And while I have you guys here, and while McCoy is just taking a sweet leak, uh, Barter Fairman and I will be talking about the Eastern Conference tomorrow. So this is just a loaded week of NBA pods for you guys. So we're happy to be doing it. We're happy you guys are listening. We're so happy the NBA is back. Uh, this is my favorite league in the world. And McCoy is back. Tyrese Maxey's back on the floor. And the Sixers and Celtics are getting back after it. And it looks like the Celtics are probably going to wrap this one up. So, McCoy, how's the pisser? Did you did you relieve yourself, my friend? It felt so good. And uh, for the sake of the pod, <laughs> I did not wash my hands. I was just trying to get back here as soon as I could. <laughs> Go wash your hands, dude. What the fuck? It's fine. It's fine. I'm not going to touch anything important from now until uh, the end of the pod. <laughs> all right. All right. Number 10, the Sacramento Kings. Uh, really the, the middle of the piss pod of the NBA. <laughs> There's the Sacramento Kings. Uh, we have them making the play in here. Uh, this is the first time that they get into the quote-unquote playoffs for the first time since World War II. And I think that they end up falling short of May hoops, unfortunately. Uh, drafted Keegan Murray out of Iowa. Sabonis and Fox turned it on towards the second half of last season after the Halliburton trade. I was really low on that trade when it happened, but it looks like it could potentially pay off. It freed up De'Aaron Fox and Davion Mitchell quite a bit, and they looked like a formidable backcourt. They brought in Malik Monk, who is De'Aaron Fox's former teammate at Kentucky. I like the juice that those two were bringing to the table. Then you got, you know, the returning vets like Harrison Barnes, Terrence Davis, Rashawn Holmes, just some like good NBA role players. So I'm a retired Sacramento Kings fan. I gave it up uh, for the Minnesota Timberwolves. I I think I announced that to McCoy last year after the Halliburton trade. Um, 
So it, it feels good to see the Kings kind of quote unquote thriving. I'm happy for them, but it's just like, you know, have like an ex-girlfriend. It's like, I want them to do good, but like not better than like my Minnesota Timberwolves or anything like that. So that's why I have them at 10 here. I am higher on them than I have been in years past, um, especially since the boogie renaissance. But I think they're still the Kings, man. And I think something goes wrong and they end up falling short of the playoffs. Yeah, I, I I think the Kings will be a fun team to watch. Like I I've seen people saying they'll be like a leap pass darling, which I could absolutely see. They could they'll probably be scoring they'll probably score a lot of fucking points. They've got I, I it it just kind of sucks because everybody shit on that Sabonis trade right when it happened, and then there was like a little bit of pushback when they were like playing well with him. But at the end of the day, they're probably going to be a team that's like just missing the playoffs. And they'll be fun to watch, but they ultimately don't have as good of a future because they traded away Tyrese Halliburton and they're not getting as high of a pick, which kind of sucks for them. Um, <laughs> they're stuck in limbo again, man. They That's what they do. They just, they just, they, they love purgatory. They're addicted to it. Yeah, they love, they love dying, and then just like waiting for a little bit, and then getting sent to hell. And then once they're in hell, they're like, you know what? Let's go. Let's get reincarnated. Let's go back to life. And then they die again. And then they go to purgatory again. And it's just the same five-year cycle every single time. Yeah. It's like if they really wanted to be, you know, a championship team in three years, they would have taken Jaden Ivey over Keegan Murray. Because J- Keegan Murray is, what, 22 years old, more complete of a player. Jaden Ivey is 19. And he's just a fucking freak. As well. I think he's actually 20. But, like, he's the kind of guy that could be, like, not a John Morant level player, but like 80 to 90% of John Morant potentially. And so if they want to take the home run swing and really become like, you know, not a 10 seed in 2023 and a four seed in 2025, then that's what they would have done. And instead they're like, you know what? Let's just fucking go all in on this season with a really average roster. Kevin Herter too. We forgot to shout out Kevin Herter. Shout out to Red Velvet. Yeah, the way they get into the playoffs would be – one of the stars on one of the teams ahead of them getting injured. I think one of the stars on five of the teams ahead of them getting injured. Well, I mean, theoretically, based on their rankings, they would they just only need to go up two spots. And I, they I, need I to go see. ahead of the they need to go ahead of the Lakers, Mavericks, and Timberwolves, and the replace well, the. Suns. I mean, that's to get out of the plan, but they, they could still make the playoffs after the plan, I guess. I <laughs> they're not they're not winning the plan. <laughs> if they get to the plan, that's huge for them. But they're definitely not winning the plan. I could see them if the Lakers season going goes really badly. I could see them being better than the Lakers even without somebody getting injured. But that would be pretty sad for the Lakers if that happens. But it would also be pretty funny from my perspective. If that happens, LeBron has to get the fuck out of there. He, <laughs> like, he should already, but I think he just wants to live in L.A. at this point. Yeah, we we, we kind of – I don't even – We should have gone to the there, Knicks. Honestly. I'm, I'm still pressed he didn't go to the Knicks. <laughs> You're pressed he didn't go to the Knicks? That would have been so cool, LeBron at Madison Square Garden. They could have added another free agent. Fuck he's, going back to, he's going back to Cleveland in like 2024. He and they're going to draft Bronny. Kevin Love, man. And, and she's like, okay, about <laughs> She's trying to find the hottest players and seduce them. That's all she wants to do. Wow. All right. I don't know. If I don't know if you've seen those tweets that she's been tweeting out, but anyway. I kind of ignore her Twitter. I think I'm gonna block her after like seeing like so, like the 15th jersey giveaway or PS5 giveaway. Oh or right, like, right, right. I'm I'm quick to block people on Twitter though. Like I probably have like at least 150 people blocked on Twitter. I'm like I'm not dealing with this bullshit anymore. No more negative stuff. Um, all right, let's rally through these last five because none of these teams matter. Yep. 
Are are you as low on the Trailblazers as I am? Because I, I am, think they're yeah. going to be fucking terrible this year. Yeah, I've seen some people hyping them up like they could be they could squeeze into the playoffs or something. I don't see it at all. I it's, no chance. No, they they their roster is pretty thin. I don't know who is on their bench. To be honest, I couldn't name anybody. Um, Dame has not looked the same really since like two years ago. We'll see if that changes. But even if it does, I don't think it matters that much. They have two guards who don't play defense at all. I think Anthony Simons was like graded one of the worst defenders in the league last year. So as good as he is offensively, there's that. And um, uh, Nurkic is their center. Also doesn't really play defense at this stage of his career. Doesn't really play basketball either. He plays like 25 games every year. Yep. And uh, do we, are we sure Chauncey Billups is a good coach? We're sure he's, we're, we're definitely sure that he's a bad coach. Yeah. Okay. I think that's what we're certain of. Okay. He was a decent ESPN NBA analyst and above average to really good point guard, um, in his best years. Yep. And that, that's really the, the height of his basketball career. Yep. I don't think that he, he might be a good assistant coach or GM somewhere, or assistant GM potentially, but yeah, it's just, yeah, it's a really sad be, roster. Yeah. Just to add, I believe they're starting to see little at the three who yep. is like an average defender who cannot shoot from three. So, or playmaker or dribble. So <laughs> speaking of average defenders who can't really shoot the three, I'm pretty sure Justice Winslow, my former Dookie, is going to be playing critical minutes for them. Uh, it looks like Josh Hart is going to be probably their third best player, fourth best player after Simons. Yeah, Grant, actually, and they should start Josh Hart. He's solid. He's, he's yeah, a good he player. Uh, number 12, the Houston Rockets. Can't wait to watch Jalen Green, Kevin yeah. Porter Jr., Jabari Smith, and Alperen Shangun. Should be fun. Yep. Jalen Green looks really fun in the preseason. It should be fun. They're good. At the very least, they're a league pass team. Uh, number 13, the Oklahoma City Thunder. Uh, prayers for Shea Gilgis-Alexander. We love you, buddy. We hope that you're doing okay. Um, shout out to you for bringing Converse back into the conversation of kicks. And, yeah, yeah Chet out yes, for the year. I will say. Do you want them Do you want them to get Wembenyama? Um, would that even be him. cool? I guess him next to – yeah, him next to Chet, that would be interesting. I, I don't know that that's the best fit for him necessarily, though. I I, I I mean to be honest, no. I just want him to go to the East because I'm I'm a Wolves fan. I don't want him anywhere near my team. <laughs> That's fair. Um, the Utah Jazz. I mean, the Utah Jazz and the Spurs at fourteen and fifteen. Like I don't know. Like I just kind of threw these guys down. I was like, I think these might be the two worst rosters I've ever seen. Yeah, yeah. All I say about these two teams is the the Wolves schedule. I think our first seven games are against yes. a combination of the Thunder, Jazz, and Spurs. So looking forward to seven and zero. Oh. Yep. I you know what I actually might do is I might moneyline parlay the first seven games of the Timberwolves season. Can you I wonder if that? I can go that far in advance? Yeah, I don't know if you can go that far in advance, but if you can, you should. I'm gonna look into that because yeah, I did a 2K my league with the Timberwolves. I think I'm 13 games into it right now. I'm doing the psychotic thing where so I'm doing a 2K my league with like my five favorite teams: Pelicans, Lakers, uh, Timberwolves, the Magic, and the Pistons. Those are my five teams because I'm a fucking sicko. Um, <laughs> And I'm playing all 82 games with all five of the teams That's over the true. next, over the next like eight months or whatever it is, and I'm gonna see what my record is cumulatively between those those teams. If I could win like four or three out of five championships, then I will consider myself a 2K god. And I'm not allowed to make trades unless they happen in real life. I like it. I like so it. yeah. It's it's definitely an experiment. Both should be good um, in 2K. They, when you ever put when you put two centers out, it just makes it unfair because you just grab every single rebound. All right, so let's actually – I might move this a little bit ahead of the podcast because I think this is interesting. So let's go through the player awards here. Yeah. And we can rattle these off pretty fast, but I think these are fun. So let's just start with MVP. 
So my MVP rankings this year, at number one, I have John Morant. I think he ends up winning it this year. It's a bet on the Grizzlies to get to that one or two or three seed. The last four MVPs have gone to big men. So Jokic went back-to-back. Giannis went back-to-back. The previous four went to guards. Harden, Westbrook, Steph back-to-back. And then the previous three went to wings. KD and Braun back-to-back. And then Derrick Rose before that. And then Braun back-to-back before that. And then I think it might have been Kobe. Something along those lines. But... I think this is the year that John Morant is just, you know, Jaron Jackson out for two months. You have the narrative there. They were the two seed last year. He exploded up to 27 points per game. I think he might even get up to 30 points per game this year. And if he does that as a point guard and can get anywhere between seven to nine assists, it's just going to look really good. He gets the three-point percentage up to like 37 38%. I think that's just like an undeniable MVP season, especially after we've been giving it to these two Goliaths and Giannis and Jokic. I think that we were like, you know what, let's give it to the little guy. Number two, I have Stephen Curry. Three Giannis, four Embiid, five Doncic. Who do you like here to win MVP? Yeah, I think Ja probably is the best bet there. I think there's a little bit of voter fatigue with all with Giannis and uh, he might not be the best bet like one for one, but like like for value, he's plus thirteen hundred. And then Luca at number five, I have him at plus four fifty. But like the Mavericks, I just don't think they're going to be very good. Right? Yeah, he'll put up crazy numbers. I mean, that could be the thing with Ja too. Like they do probably need to get like a top four seed for him to get it. Yeah, they could, um, but. I, I personally don't have him predicted that high. A guy I would love to see get it would be KD. I I, think, I thought you were going to say Anthony Edwards. I just I, with the Wolves, I think those three guys are going to. I mean, not really go. I mean, Gobert's impact does kind of cancel out to an extent. So yeah, I think those three, those top three guys on the team, cancel each other out a little bit on the Wolves. But I would love to see Kevin Durant get another MVP. I feel like he's too good of a player to only have one MVP. And if I could see him having like a big comeback season, he was on pace to win it last year. I feel like before he got that injury that took him out for definitely. So if, yep. they, if they like overachieve expectations, cause they absolutely could with the talents on that roster and they look really good all season and he's averaging like close to 30 a game. He could, he could absolutely get in there. Um, and I, I but I, I think it is indeed the favorite going into the season. Like Vegas, Doncic, it's Doncic. Okay, that makes sense numbers wise, but I I don't think he can get it if they're like the seven or eight seed, which is what I expect. So, I Embiid would be my other bet, just because I think a lot of people are upset that he didn't get it last year. So, Jokic got it as the six seed last year, and then Westbrook got it as I believe the five seed one year. But pretty much every other year, other than that, it's to a one, two, or three seed. Right. I think that. I mean, Jokic getting as a six seed is like pretty crazy especially like after he goes back to back with it but um but yeah i don't know i just think that this is the year the jaw takes the jump and it'd be fun to see another point guard win the mvp especially like if you look at like the derrick rose numbers from his mvp season in 20 2011 i looked at the other day they were like 25 and a half four seven his splits weren't very good it was like 43 percent from the field like 33 percent from three stuff like that so it's like Ja had a better year last year than D Rose did in 2011. Now, granted, the NBA was totally different 11 years ago. Like right. the spacing with like Carlos Boozer and Joe Kim Noah didn't benefit D Rose. Like he had to carve his way through stuff. But yeah. if you look just at counting stats, Ja definitely outplayed him. Um, defensive Player of the Year. I'm just throwing a bone out there, man. I'm putting Herb Jones. Fuck it. I think he's the best defender in the league. Why not? Giannis at two. Rudy Gobert at three. Bam Adebayo at four. Evan Mobley at five. Um, Zion said the other day that in practice, Herb Jones blocked a shot through a screen. And after I saw that, I put money on it right away. I'm like, that's all I needed to hear. If he's blocking shots over screens, give it to me, dude. Like, I think that the Pelicans, 
you know, could be a top four seed in the West. They get a lot of airtime with Zion. People are going to see Herb Jones and be like, whoa, whoa, whoa. That guy's name is Herb, and he's like unreal at defense. Yeah, I like him. I think a lot of Herb Jones jerseys get bought this year. Yeah, I love Herb Jones. I The issue with that is like I don't know that a, a guy's ever won defensive player of the year in a team that's like below average defensively, and I'm not sure I see the Pelicans being at least – I don't see them being a top 10 defensive team. I think they're going to be maybe the best offensive team in the league. And, um, but it's it just like, I don't know that he can have that big of it, that much of an impact to make that team good defensively as a wing with a lot of guys around him who aren't known for their defense. Rookie of the year, Palo Boncaro, Duke blue devil, Orlando magic already looking like he's cooking dudes in the preseason he's got some sick dreads right now he's rocking a headband he just looks absolutely elite i have been telling people since he was um a commit to duke that he's going to be one the ugliest first overall draft pick of all time there was some time there where people thought jabari or chet was going to go number one and i felt a little bit nervous about that take then i've also been telling people that he's baby carmelo and i think that he's actually more fully formed at 19 years old than carmelo was and i think that he is going to be a force to be reckoned with offensively for a long time he's also better the playmaker than carmelo ever was um, i'm not sure if he's as good of a scorer naturally right now because carmelo is in my opinion, one of the top 15, 16 scorers of all time, just when it comes to getting straight buckets. Uh, but yeah, P5 in this bitch. Number two, Keegan Murray, Sacramento Kings. Number three, Jaden Ivey. Number four, Jabari Smith Jr. Number five, Mr. 360 windmill himself, Benedict Matherin. Who do you like here? I like the Palo Bancaro pick. I strictly because I watched like one or like one and a half uh, Magic preseason games. And I saw that, uh, I saw that Palo drive and like yam over that dude and he just looks bigger than everybody already somehow and he just he's fucking huge he's 611 no he's built like a stronger ben simmons but he can also like pull up for three and like hit jumpers in dudes faces so i i I just that talent is kind of undeniable i i was like thinking keegan murray after the preseason but keegan murray's just like a a a solid role player i think paolo could really be uh an elite player in the league six man of the year i have I feel weird about this. I didn't even know who to put. It's like who? It's so hard to predict six man of the year because it's like you don't know who's coming off the bench all the time. Uh, but I got Norman Powell at number one. I guess I should probably have Jordan Poole up here because he's not going to start. So I'll put Poole at two, Tyler Hero at three, DeAnthony Melton at four, and then Bones Highland at five. We'll tie him with Malik Monk, I suppose, at number five, just because I got to get XO till we overdose in there. Uh, so yeah, Norman Powell, congratulations on being my preseason six man of the year. I don't care about this award anymore. It used to be cool when Jamal Crawford was winning it mm-hmm. and J.R. Smith. Last year they gave it to Tyler Hero, and like Tyler Hero didn't even play significant minutes in the playoffs last year. So it's like this award's kind of irrelevant now. Yeah, throw, throw Jalen Noel in there as a sleeper. Only thing I got to say, if the Wolves, I'll, I'll put Nas Reed in there faster than Jalen Noel. Unfortunately, I don't think Nas Reed's gonna be getting enough minutes because I think they want. Cat and Gobert on the court, one of them at all times. I Nas Reed would be a great, uh, great trade piece for any team who was looking for a center, though. Looking at the center. trade him to the Lakers, you guys can get him for the 2029 first. That would him, be, that would be him, Wendell Moore Jr. And to make the contracts work, I think we're gonna, oh, you don't have Malik Beasley anymore, he's on the Jazz. Yeah, I don't know how to figure out the contracts there. Maybe D'Angelo, maybe you guys give us D'Angelo back. Fuck no, we can't we can't give up D'Lo right now. We need a point. <laughs> I mean, we're not taking Westbrook back. Point at point at goes all the way in. Um, all right, 
So let's see here. Most improved player. Oh, yeah, this is easy. Tyrese Maxey. Um, I think he actually might become – I'm not going to say that. He's he's really fucking good. That's what I'll say. I remember watching him at Kentucky and the, um, the Big Four Classic where Michigan State, Kansas, Duke, and Kentucky all play one another every year. And I think he had like 45 points in his first game. I'm like lottery pick, top 10 pick book it he ends up like going like 22 or something like that to the Sixers and I don't know why he dropped because he is just so explosive ridiculous floater really good three-point shot I I really dig him and then at number two I have our man Anthony Edwards where it's like Ja winning it last year didn't make sense to me because he's already so good I think that's kind of the case for Ant here yeah so if Ant if Ant does the jaw jump where Ja last year went from 19 points a game to 27 points per game if Ant goes from 21 to 28 then I would understand it. But if he goes from 21 to 25, it wouldn't make sense. Then I have Cade Cunningham. It's hard for me to put second-year guys here because it just doesn't really make a lot of sense. And then Christian Wood and De'Aaron Fox because I think that they finally get over the hump into the limelight a little bit more. Yeah, I would love to see De'Aaron Fox win it. I, th- I think he had like way better stats um, after Sabonis came like came to their team last year just because it yep. makes sense. He gets to play off the ball a lot more with Sabonis running out of the high post. Um, I've always liked De'Aaron Fox, and he's kind of been getting a bad rap the last few years, somewhat deservingly. He's kind of regressed a little bit, but if he were to take another jump and like potentially get an all-star uh, selection, that would be awesome. Clay Thompson is saying some words right now on the broadcast of the Lakers-Warriors. and I bet it's just – do you still love Clay? I think he's kind of become a little bit corny to me. Yeah, he he's always getting upset online about not getting enough respect and stuff, and it's just like – that, that's not that's not your move that's that's not gonna look good for you but yeah like he's like supposed to be like the chillest guy in the world like yeah. i saw you know what i did see the other day though uh espn like their like nba show had ronnie 2k on and clay thompson commented on the post and he was like y'all are clowns for having this man on i thought y'all were supposed to have like real nba knowledge on there and y'all are having like this guy coming on to promote his video game y'all are some losers and i was like you know what i'm gonna like this comment <laughs> I mean, yeah, fuck Ronnie 2K. We can all agree with that. But, I, I, yeah, I think it has something to do with, like, when he was out for two years, I feel like he probably felt like he got forgotten about a little bit because it seems like post-injury he's come back and now he has a whole lot to say to everybody who's, like, discounting him. And I guess I can understand. To be fair, he looked really, really bad, like, the first, like, 30 games he was back. And then even for a lot of the playoffs, like, he looked, like, actively bad. And then he showed up in the finals, to his credit. No, yeah, I, I like guys like him. Like, he's not going for, like, if, I mean, if, if he was, like, really about his own personal accolades, he would have left a while back a while back to go get, like, a bigger role with a different team. But he's comfortable just being, like, a role player on this team and win multiple championships, play good defense, hit open threes. So I, I wish the league I, I wish the league had more players who played like him. But. All right, coach of the year. I have Mike Malone with the Nuggets because I have the Nuggets getting the one seed in the West. Willie Green with the Pelicans at number two. Taylor Jenkins with the Grizzlies at number three. And then just because I needed some guys from the Eastern Conference in here, I put J.B. Bickerstaff with the Cavs and Nick Nurse with the Raptors. 14 of the last 15 coaches to win Coach of the Year have won 50-plus games. Can you name the one Coach of the Year who did not win 50-plus games? Hmm. I'll give you a hint. It was within the last five years. It's a thinker. I can also I can also say that it was fourteen of the last sixteen coaches to win coach of the year, uh, but the sixteenth one was like in two thousand. What would that be? Two thousand six, 
and that one was really weird when I saw it. That one was Sam Mitchell with the Raptors, and I was like, oh, my God, Sam Mitchell. I think he got fired like two years later. That always happens with coaches of the year. Like Carl Malone won coach of the year one year, and then just got fired the next year. Yeah, and the guy who's the Raptor, or the Pistons coach now, he won it with the Raptors and then got fired. Dwayne Casey. Dwayne Casey, yeah. No, I have no idea who this is, though. Tom Thibodeau with the New York Knicks, oh, uh, 2020. Yeah. yeah, I don't think he deserved it that year. He definitely didn't. Like they, I think they just went from like 23 wins to like 48 wins with like a totally different roster. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I, there you I, go, I'm coach of the year. I, I like these picks. I think Willie Green's a really good pick. If the Pelicans do like stay healthy and they play to their potential, they could be – I mean, they could take the biggest jump of any team record-wise for sure. Um, he's also like a young coach black man all that kind of stuff former yeah. player players love him and respect him change the franchise all that kind of stuff i am surprised not to see chris finch on your list I, I believe he's the vegas favorite right now should we take away james wiseman's ring i don't think he deserves it yeah and i mean unless they win another one i feel like he can get two if they win another one and he plays a significant role but he doesn't deserve this one you think he gets two if he actually yeah, like he get the pre- is a starting center for him? He can get the previous one. He like <laughs> wins another one with him. But I I like that rule a lot. Well, all right. Well, we let's get out of here. Uh, the Warriors and Lakers are about to tip off. Uh, we will see you guys tomorrow with our Eastern Conference preview with Barter McCoy. Thank you for hopping on. Great job. I love you. Uh, let's go, fucking Timberwolves, baby. It's oh, yeah. time to rise up. Oh yeah, go Wolves, Skull Bikes. All right, yeah, enough of that. Peace out. Peace.